Today is the last and the final message in our series, The Fight Club. How many of you have been enjoying this series so far? Is anybody? Hopefully it's been encouraging to you. Eight rounds, y'all. Eight rounds. And, and so we're going to go in today in the final rounds. We're going to start off. So uh, this, is, this, is the last, this is the last moment. All right. So are y'all ready? Yeah. All right, let's go. Round eight, let's get it going, here we go. All right, so round eight, we are going, if you got your Bibles, go to Ephesians chapter six. Ephesians chapter six, I am going to start this message where I started this series. If you go all the way back to round one, we started an introduction about what spiritual warfare is and all of this, we went to Ephesians six. And so we're gonna go back to Ephesians six today to kick this started. And uh, I love the book of Ephesians. Anybody love the book of Ephesians? It's one of the most, listen, by the way, Ephesians is one of the most practical, powerful chapters in all of the New Testament. If you can study any book in the New New Testament, I tell you to study the book of Ephesians. It is wrapped up, I'm gonna just help you real quick. It's wrapped up into three sections, okay? There are three sections in the book of Ephesians. Chapter one, two, and three uh, is, is uh, a story of your wealth, who you are in Christ, that you are chosen, that you are forgiven, that you are adopted, that, that, that the grace of God and the mercy of God has been poured out upon you. Paul uses all of the first three chapters just to remind you who you are in Christ, that you are new in him. And he spends all of that is the wealth. And then you go into chapters four and five, and it's all about your walk. Everybody say your walk. Okay, so he goes from your wealth, who you are and what you have because of Christ, and then he goes into your walk. Now he's starting to talk about uh, things like you should walk worthy of the calling of Christ. You should walk in the spirit. You should walk with God. And so it's all about how you walk with him and how he use it. And then, and then to close it all out, chapter six, the final, final chapter, final part of this whole letter, he talks about your warfare. Your warfare. So he goes with the, your wealth and then he goes with your walk and then he goes with your warfare. And he reminds us in chapter six that we are not fighting for victory, but we are fighting from victory. Anybody believe that in here? That we are fighting, but even if you don't believe it, hey, listen, even if you don't believe what the word of God declares to be true, your enemy does. And, and he knows that you've been forgiven. He knows that you, you have a new identity. He knows that, that, there, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ. And he knows that God will never leave you nor forsake you. And he knows that God has given you every tool that you need to defeat him. He knows that perfectly fine. And so I wanna start off today with one big statement because the enemy knows all of these things about us. He knows you're forgiven. He knows there's no more shame on you. He knows there's no more guilt on you. He knows that you have now a power that you didn't have before Christ came into your life. He is so aware of all of that. Watch this. But what a tragedy it is when your enemy believes more about what God says about you than you do. The enemy believes more about what God says about you than you. And that is a tragedy. And so to end today's message, I want to kick off with reminding you what the enemy knows about you but do you remember about you what God says about you? Because if you don't get this part, you're gonna keep battling and battling and battling some of the same battles that God has given you victory over, but, but for you, it, it hasn't become victory. It's become just a continued battle, continued battle. So Ephesians chapter six, we're gonna go there. We're gonna go in verse 10. We're gonna look through verse 10 through 14 today. So if you're ready, say, I'm ready. Come on, are you ready? Hey, listen, this is my last one, okay? Like, my last one. So I need all you got today, okay? I'm gonna do everything I can to give it all that I have. I'm gonna go out of here with not being able to speak. All right, here we go. So, here we go. Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Here we go, verse 12. And so he tells us, for we don't wrestle against what? Flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. And he goes and he continues to say, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, because of all of this, Anytime you see a therefore, you always need to look back and find out what it's there for. So therefore, because of verse 10 and 11, and now going into 13, take up 
the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, which by the way, we're living in that. So if you wanna be able to stand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Okay, then he tells us yet again, stand therefore. Father, right now, God, we, uh, we invite your Holy Spirit to come and illuminate your word today. I pray that it would be uh, alive, that it would be active. I pray that you would give us ears to hear and a heart to receive all that you have for us. Thank you, God, for uh, the freedom that we have to gather. On this Memorial Day weekend, we celebrate all of the men and women who have given their life for us to be in this room right now. God, for us to have the freedom that we have right now, we thank you, Lord, for, for them. We thank you for their sacrifice. God, there's no greater sacrifice than they can make in that. And so, God, we pray, Lord, that your word would ring true. Give us your uh, ears to hear all that you have to say in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen, amen. amen. I love that when the Bible talks in, in Ephesians 6, that the enemy wants you to know that you have an enemy and that not only do you have an enemy, but he is scheming. Everybody say scheming. He says he has these schemes, that he is scheming after you, meaning that he is intentionally looking for ways to trip you up, looking for ways to take you out. He is scheming. He is scheming. How many of you have children that are schemers? Don't, don't raise your hand. Okay, never mind. I set that up. I promise. Sorry. How many of y'all know some people who are schemers? You got, you got some employees maybe that are some schemers. Like, you know they know what they're doing. They're, they're looking, they're trying to, uh, to capitalize on weakness. By the way, your enemy knows your weakness. He knows where to dangle the carrot that you're gonna go after that is different from one person to the next person. Have you ever noticed that for some reason that carrot always gets dangled to you just at the right opportune time? Hey, by the way, by the way, that's, that's not just a dangling of a carrot. That's not coincidence. That's a scheme. That's a scheme of how the enemy works. Just at the right time, just at the right moment, just happens to be when you're most tired, when you're most vulnerable, when you're most alone. Isn't it amazing that that carrot gets put right there? And so he's scheming against us. And then on top of that, one of the greatest ways that he schemes against us is he gets us to think that the problem is not with him, but it's with each other. I mean, no, if we're so busy pointing our fingers at each other, we will miss the fact that there is a greater enemy that is at work because we're blaming each other. It's my wife, it's my husband, it's my boss, it's my kids, it's my this. It's, and so he says, you are not wrestling against flesh and blood. You are wrestling against principalities and powers and darkness. And as long as we are directing our attention at flesh and blood, we are directing all of the wrong weapons at the wrong culprit. We will think then that if, it's our, if, our, if, it's our, if our wife is the issue, we just need to get a new one. If, if, if you think that it's your boss or if it's your employee, just get, a, just get a new one. We just need to get new things. And I'm not saying that there's times where you need to change jobs and all that stuff. But if we're not careful, we can try to put natural weapons to supernatural problems. And your money can't fix it. Okay, your money can't fix it. Another self-help book can't fix it. More connections won't solve it. And so here's, here's what I wrote. Nothing in the natural can win against the supernatural. Nothing in the natural. When your problem is unseen and spiritual, you need weapons that work in that realm. Scripture doesn't promise us that God will deliver us from the battle. It promises us that he will protect us in the battle. That is the scripture promise. And so, so now... Coming out of verse 14, encouraging you and reminding you and challenging you, hey, wake up. Christian life is not a playground, it's the battleground. Wake up, wake up, wake up. But he's gonna also say, hey, listen, not only does the enemy have schemes, I mean, if the enemy's got schemes, we gotta have some schemes. If the enemy's got tactics, I mean, no, we need some tactics. And so he says, I got some tactics for you. And so now he's going to begin to list what we call the armor of God. The armor of God. There are six different ones. I believe there's actually seven. I'm gonna show you seven today. We're gonna to go through them rather fast because we don't have all day to, to, 
unpack every single one of them, but we will begin to unlock these seven. Now watch this. I, I wanna help you though, because some people have heard teaching on the armor of God, like you need to wake up every morning and be like, okay, I'm gonna put on like, you know, like your transformer or something. I need to put on my, my feet things and I need to put on my breastplate and I need to put on my belt of truth and I need to put on, you know, it's like you're clicking it. And you know, this is it. And then I'm, I got, got my shield and like, hey, listen, these, these aren't like actual things you're putting on as much as they are theological things you believe that God will do for you. Okay, these are gospel-centered truths that you need to believe. Watch this. This isn't something you're just putting on. This is something you believe because in any of these seven that you don't believe is the place that the enemy now has a way to attack you. Okay, so I'm gonna walk you through all seven of these because these seven are huge. These are doctrines. These are, these are deep theological truths that the gospel declares to us. Now, before I do that, I want you to know this. The enemy cannot defeat you. The enemy cannot defeat you if he can't disarm you. So as long as you stay armed, as, as long as you stay fully protected with, God, with what God gives us through these truths of what these represent, he can't defeat you. So seven ways to stand, fight, and win. That's the title of my message today. Stand, fight, win. Everybody say that with me. Stand, stand fight, win. Come on, one more time. Stand, stand fight, fight, win. Okay, seven ways to do it. Number one, here we go. Number one is we've got to know your identity in Christ. You got to know your identity in Christ. You want to stand, you want to fight, and you want to win, you better know who you are in Christ. Not, not who you are just in yourself, like this is like self-actualization, I'm just trying to figure out myself and I'm trying to find myself. Okay, listen, the way you find yourself in scripture is you lose yourself. The way you, the way you find life in Christ is you die to self, all right? So watch what the, this verse says. It says, having fastened on the belt of what? Truth. Of truth. The belt of truth. This is huge. The belt of truth. Now, I am particularly fond of belt, okay? Not only because it's my name, but uh, I like belts. And, 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 and by the way, when you're young, you really don't care about belts. When you get older, you care a lot about belts. Yes. Come on, somebody in here. How I many know that, that one little belt thing right there is holding up something right now? Okay, it's keeping things locked in. Now it's getting all sophisticated because it's not just belts. Now there's girdles, spanks. I mean, just you hold stuff, put stuff. Tuck stuff, hide stuff. Y'all talking, you know what I'm talking about? Like just puts things in his place. I know, I know women are like, please move on. Okay, so I don't know what you're talking about. I don't wear any of that stuff. Liar. All right. So having fa fastened ourselves with the belt of truth. Now, oftentimes when we think of truth, we would think immediately go to, you know, the difference between like feelings, facts, and truth. You know, there's truth, there's absolute truth, there's real truth. But I don't wanna go there today because I think what really what this is speaking of more than just understanding truth and knowing God's word that is true, we tend to think that truth is primarily a what, but watch this, truth is primarily a who. John 14, six, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and, and, and the life, I am the way, the truth. So, so watch this. So I believe Paul is saying, is your identity fastened to the who? Is your life fastened to the who, to the truth of who Christ is? I am so concerned for not only this generation, but for our culture, because we are way more consumed with getting the approval and the likes and the affirmations of people. We need them to like us. We need them to fasten our identity. And listen, if you're always looking for your identity from someone else, you will always be looking. You will always be looking. This is so huge in here. And this concerns me because we're more concerned with the applause of a like on a Facebook post or if our Instagram got enough and if it didn't, then I, I feel devalued and I feel depressed. Like, dear God, that someone clicks a button and it makes you feel better or worse about yourself. But when you're so consumed with that, the quickest way for you to forget what God thinks about you is to be consumed with what others think about you. 
And so what does God say about you? This is why he spends all of Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 talking to you and I about who we are in Christ and that if you have been rejected, God has adopted you. If your sin has brought you to the deepest place of despair, that is the grace, the rich mercy and grace of God that can pull you out of the place you never thought you could ever get yourself out of. Like, this is who you are in Christ. Y'all understand? Like... So you've got to have your life grounded and founded on who Christ is. And if it's not grounded and founded on who Christ is, you will be looking for money to give you your identity. You'll be looking for people to give your identity. You're looking for success to give you your identity and popularity to give your identity. But all of those will fail you. And what happens when you lose them? So if you lose your job and you go into deep despair, it shows you that your identity was connected to what you do. This is why for me, going on a sabbatical for eight weeks, not preaching for eight weeks, not leading for eight weeks is a much bigger issue because it's for once, for eight weeks, it won't be Pastor Josh, it will just be Josh. It will just be dad. It will just be husband. It will just be son of God with no attachment to what I do. And this is why most men can't take a break because they find so much identity in what they do. But if you can say, no, that's not, I, I'm not what I do. I'm not what people say. I'm what Jesus has called me. Y'all with me? It's been quiet in this Baptist church. Okay, so, and we're not even Baptists. Okay, so, number two, we gotta keep going. I got seven of these. All right, so, number two, guard your heart with righteousness. Guard your heart with righteousness. Ephesians 6 now going on to 14, he says, and having put on the breastplate of, having put on, okay, so, so we got the belt of truth, it's locked in, our identity and who we are in Christ, we know who we are in Christ. Now, that, that belt, by the way, watch it, by the way, in the Roman army, that belt, everything hinged on it. Your breastplate would sink into it, it would, be, it would hold up on it. Your, your, your dagger that you would have would be a part of it. I mean, it holds everything. So that identity is a huge piece. You got to get that first. Now, once you got your identity, you can put the breastplate of righteousness. This is huge. Roman, in the Roman army, the breastplate was, was this whole, man, it, it, it was beautiful, by the way. And it, it, and it put, and it covered this whole place here, which, by the way, the breastplate was so critical because it is guarding the most critical, most critical area of your life your heart, your organs, all of these things that are there, it's protecting that. And watch this, and so what your physical heart is to your physical life, your spiritual heart is to your spiritual life. And if I am an enemy, and I'm thinking of one way to knock you out, I'm going after that one organ, going after that one heart. That's, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm aiming for that one Target, because I know if I can hit that once, I can take you out. And so just as much as we need our physical heart to live a physical life, you have to have a spiritual heart to live a spiritual life. And some of us, the enemy has come in and he has done a heart attack. We've allowed what people have done to us to affect our heart. Your, your heart, by the way, your spiritual heart is made up of your, your mind, what you think, your emotions, what you feel, and your will, your actions. It's your spiritual heart. We've talked about this. This is what the Bible calls it your soul. Okay, this is your mind, your emotions, and your will. And so that enemy is going after that, which is why Proverbs 4, 23 is so huge. When King Solomon in all of his wisdom says, guard your heart above, guard your heart above all else. Guard your heart above all else. Now, one of the things I love about living in Louisiana is every man in here uh, probably has a, a, a lot of guns. Okay? It's, a, it's something I learned real quickly. I didn't have a gun until I moved here. And, um, 
and I'm, I'm slowly acquiring more and more guns because men are very protective of their families, they're protective of you know, the people that they love the most. We now guard things on a whole nother level. Now there's security cameras. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. You know, there's alarm systems. We, got, we, we guard our homes. We guard, you know, we guard so many different things. We guard our bodies. Many of us, you're gonna go, you're gonna go to the beach this summer and you're gonna go out and if you white, 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 you're gonna put some guard on. Y'all with me? Okay, you're gonna get SPF 3000 and you're gonna just slather it all over your kids. You know, your kids are gonna be that one that's like everywhere. Mom didn't, hey, listen, mamas, can I just help you out? Rub it in, rub it in. Don't let that kid be that kid. You know, he's got that gloop on the bottom of his nose because he didn't rub. Okay, so just trying to help y'all out here. Okay, so, so you do all that. We do that to guard our skin, okay? At my house, we have, we have filters on our internet to guard our kids from what they see, okay? So we do all this because we're guarding things that we absolutely value. Well, watch this, watch this. We go through all of this extreme to guard our skin and our kids and our homes and our possessions. And then we'll scroll on social media and let one comment get to the heart. We'll let one little news app get to our mind and fill us with worry and fear. We spend all this time guarding everything that values except not valuing the one thing that God told us to do above all else. You need to guard your heart. And some of you, your hearts are wide open. No breastplate there, no protection there. Anybody can get in, anything can get in. You gotta guard it. Now, Lindsay and I live here in Jennings, but we're outside of the city limits. And when we bought our house a couple of years ago, it was one of the things we were really excited about it because we went from a 1,100 square foot home to a little bit of a bigger home, kind of somewhat in the country, a mile and a half from Walmart, come on somebody, but far enough to burn things and shoot things. We shot Skeet yesterday. I was like, I could have done this in the city. I'd be calling the cops on me, all right? And, and so being out in somewhat country living has incredible perks. You know, you can go and ride four-wheelers and shoot guns and do all this stuff. But it also has its downsides. Like there are animals in the country that I did not find on Seagrave Street. Different ones. One of the ones that my wife despises the most. Now this was in the city as well, but it's frogs. Any, any mamas, any women in here, frogs, you're not, just not the frog person? Lindsay is not a frog person. And we have now come to the realization that every time we go to open up our mailbox, there is a family of frogs that have now taken residence in our mailbox. And so if you ever wanna win on AFV, just film my wife as she goes to the mailbox and opens that thing as a projectile frog comes out at her, you have never heard a scream like you thought someone was shooting her. Okay, now watch this though. I have never put out an invitation to the neighborhood for every neighborhood frog to come take residence in my mailbox. I haven't done it. Hey, just wanna let y'all know it's open game here. I have never done it. They have, they have taken residence however they wanted because it is a cool, somewhat moist environment, all right? And so that environment has invited that critter to that place. Watch this. Righteousness, we put on the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness is when our lives are open to the gospel for the sunlight of Christ to come in so things can't get into our hearts. It guards our heart because our life is open for what God to do. Unrighteousness is when your life is closed. The lid of your life is closed. And so it invites these type of things into your environment because of the environment that you have created. We, we live this closed, unrighteous living where we reject what God wants. And watch this, watch this. You don't have to invite the enemy. If you keep a closed life, you already create an environment for him to be there. 
And so watch, you can pray all day long against the enemy, but if you live an unrighteous life that is closed to who God is and what he wants and him being Lord of your life, and you don't open your life up to him, you create an environment for you to be in battle all day long against things that you should never be battling. And so we have to guard our heart with righteousness, righteous, right choices, right living. Number three, bring the peace of God everywhere you go. Bring the peace of God, Ephesians 6, 15, now he goes on and now he starts getting to the shoes. Come on, anybody like shoes in here? Come on, like shoes. He says, you got shoes, you got some shoes, some special shoes for your feet. These are some special shoes because they're not just meant to look good, they're meant to actually have purpose. They meant to do something, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, gospel of peace, shoes. Shoes were designed to not be put in just a museum to look at. Shoes are designed to be put on your feet to go somewhere. So when he says, listen, I'm going to give you a piece of armor, it's going to be some shoes, which back in those days, in Romans days, to have shoes was a huge deal. Many of their shoes actually had these spikes that were implanted into their shoes, so when they were in battle, they could stand even greater than they could before. Not only that, not only was it for them to be able to stand stronger, it was also for them to march. If you watch the Roman army march, man, they, they were in sync. They were a force to be recognized, and so they're going into places. Shoes were meant to travel. How many know the gospel is meant to travel? Travel. The gospel is not what happens in this room. The gospel is meant to get out. It's meant to go. God has prepared you. Got it. Well, I don't really have a story. Yeah, you do. We all got a story. Now, maybe your story is not like, I did drugs for nine years and got shot up in my left side and God, God freed me. It don't matter. Whatever your story may be, however God has delivered you, you have a story. It is a gift to the world. And if God has brought peace in your life, how I many know that peace needs to go? It needs to get exported to those around us. God has prepared you. He's given you shoes. He's given you a story. He's given you, he's given you uh, the ability to go into places. That's the beauty of what the church is because the church is not what happens in this building. The church is what happens outside of this building because all of you are going to go to places that I will never go. You're gonna encounter people that I will never encounter. All of us will encounter different people from family and friends and work. And how many know because of what Christ has done on the inside of you, he wants that to get out because he wants that to transfer onto everybody else. So he's given you the gospel of peace. And let me tell you, there is nothing that is more attractive than to see somebody who's walking through hell that has peace. Everybody's getting laid off at your work and you're like, it's good. And they're like, what are you talking about? It's bad. And you're like, listen, it's bad for you, but it ain't bad for me because my Bible says that God is my provider. This job was never my provision in the first place. So God's got this. What does it look like to, to, to go through something and get a diagnosis and yet have peace? How do you know that is the most bright, attractive thing in this world? This world is lacking peace. People are so frustrated. People are so weary. People are so, so exhausted. So God gives us this ability to go and have peace. And as long as Satan, watch this, can keep you from sharing the gospel with your neighbors and with your family and with your friends, how many of you know he's got you? Yeah. And so I wrote this down. What better way for us to fight against the darkness of Satan than to preach the gospel of light? So God has given you the ability to go and preach. Number four, keep your faith up. Keep your faith up. It says in all circumstances, take up. Take up the shield of faith. Watch this. Everything else up to this point, the belt of truth, the breastplate, the shoes, all of those were things that we were putting on, but now he's telling us it's time for us to take up. This is not just an item that we wear. This is something we are taking up, and we are taking up the shield of what? The sh shield of? Faith. Shield of faith, which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. The shield is something we take up. Shield is something that we raise up. A shield of faith. A shield of faith. Now, um, I love Dr. Darius uh, has, has preached a number of times, we've, and we've heard him here at the church. And one, of the, one of the statements that he said was, it's one thing to have strong faith. That is the ability to believe God for big things. But true Christianity is not to have strong faith, but to have long faith. Yes. Yeah. See, because it's easy to believe God in the moment for something big. 
But how many know what happens when God doesn't do it in the time frame that you want it and you're having to believe God for years for something? Will you quit? Will you back down? Will you stop believing? It's one thing to have big faith and strong faith. It's another thing to have long faith. And I believe right now in 2021, we have so many Christians with faith fatigue. Discouragement has hit them. You've been holding something for so long that now you're just like, I don't even wanna hold it anymore. And instead of our faith being up, our faith is now down. And when your faith is down, you are now yet again subject to the flaming darts of the enemy. Which by the way, you know the devil is so scared of you that he doesn't wanna face you face to face. He's gotta shoot something at you from a distance. Because he knows if he gets close to you, he don't stand a chance. So he shoots these flaming darts across trying to do it. And Satan, he's strategic like that. But I want you to hear me because this is huge here when it talks about the shield of faith because the way that Roman soldiers would work is not only do you have your shield that guards and protects you, but one of the ways that these shields were designed, they were designed to be interlocked with one another. Satan doesn't win if you get hurt. Satan wins if you quit and you only quit alone. My shield was designed to be put up against somebody else's and not only am I getting myself protected, I'm protecting them. I mean, no, if you wanna get your faith up, just get around some people that got their faith up and it's amazing how it'll help you keep your faith up because you'll be around some people. Go with me? Like, you, got, you gotta get that thing up. Your shield is so much stronger when it's connected to other people. So if your faith is down right now, if you're battling discouragement right now, let me ask you this number one question. Who are you around that has their faith up? Because if you're only around people who have their faith down, don't be surprised that you keep yours down. So get around some people that got it up. Trust me, you get around some people that got it up, you'll hurry up and get yours up because they'd be like, put yours up right now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, get, your, get it up. That's my blind side. So you got to keep your faith up. Number five, three more, we're, we're almost here. Preach the gospel to yourself. Hey, listen, it's easy to preach to everybody else. It's a whole nother thing when you can preach to yourself. Hey, by the way, you are your best preacher. You preach to you more than I preach to you. Question is, what are you preaching to you? It's so important because now he says, now he's going to the helmet of Salvation, to take the helmet of salvation. Football players wear helmets because they are protecting their brain. They're protecting this because yet again, watch this. Just as the physical brain is the control center for the body, the mind is the control center for the spiritual life. We, we did a whole, which by the way, you can go back to week two and week three and week four and we talked a lot about the mind. But how you think is how you live. If you don't like how you're living, look at how you're thinking. And so he says, we need to take on the helmet of salvation. If you're thinking wrong, you're gonna live wrong. This is huge here. You gotta, you gotta know the helmet of salvation, understanding your salvation in Christ. Who Christ. Yet again, these are doctrines, these are gospels that, that we preach this to ourselves, that, that every morning I gotta wake up and I gotta preach the gospel to myself, that my, my, my right standing with God is not because I'm good or bad. My right standing with God is because of what Christ has done on my behalf. I will never be more loved than I am right now. I'll never, I'll never be further, I mean, uh, closer to God than I can right now. Of course, I, need, I can always take steps to get closer, but God's not gonna care for me any less or any more than he does at this current moment right now. And it's not based off of if I read my Bible for an hour. It's not based off if I went to church or if I gave or if I served. Like my, my relationship with God is because of my salvation in him because of what he has done on, on, my, on my behalf. How many remember the Emancipation Proclamation, which was a declaration that the slaves were freed? But we all know that you can be legally freed, but not functionally free. Because in the Emancipation Proclamation, it declared that the slaves were free, but yet for years and years and years, they continued to live as slaves, not because they didn't know that they were free, but because they were functionally, just didn't walk away as free. And I believe the same thing can happen as Christians. We can know that we are free, but functionally we are bound because we haven't stepped into all that God has for us. We can sing these songs in our churches being freed by Jesus, but not living in freedom. 
You can, you can go through freedom and then still come out on the other side and not be free. Just because you know it doesn't mean anything. You gotta, gotta begin to think it and you gotta repeat it and you gotta, gotta recite it and you gotta keep rehearsing it and rehearsing the salvation of Christ and what he has for me. So, so when I blow it, I don't run from God, I run to God because God's not mad at me, God wants me, okay? I'm just reminding myself of these things. Hey, watch this, so watch how the enemy works. When you blow it, then he tells you, I can't believe. See, you're not really saved and then he gets you to run from God, not run to God and there he yet again works again. I'm telling you, these are all doctrinal things if you don't understand them. When, when the moment happens and you fail or you mess up or you say something you shouldn't say, the enemy then will come in and slither in and say, see, I told you. But when I understand that my righteousness is not based off of what I do or what I don't do, but my righteousness is based off what Christ has done, that my, that, that, that my right standing with God has nothing to do with me and has everything to do with Jesus, it's a, it's a game changer. It's a game changer. Number six. Ephesians 6, 17, he goes on, he says, the sword of the spirit. Now we're getting into some real stuff. See, because up until now, for the most part, it was defensive armor. But now God says, no, 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 I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you a weapon. It's gonna be the sword of the spirit, which is the what? What is it? Which is the word of God. Your ability to overcome Satan's schemes is directionally proportionate to your knowledge and use of God's word. I'm gonna say that again. Your ability to overcome Satan's schemes is directionally, directly proportionate to your knowledge and use of God's word. You've got to know God's word. You have to. Reminds me of a story of a, of a husband and wife that were complaining because the wife was spending way too much money shopping. And he told her, you have got to get it under control. Like we are going into massive debt. You cannot keep buying stuff. And so she said, I'm done. I'm done. I, I, okay, I promise, baby, I'm not. Well, the next week, she went to the store, saw a dress, 80% off. 80%. So she walks by it. She looks at it. She's like, 80%. This would be stupid for me not to get this. I mean, I have to get this dress. And of course she did what every woman should not do. She tried it on. And she looked at it and she said, this is the dress. And then she thought about what her husband said. And no, don't buy anything, don't buy anything. And she's like, but he would love me in this dress. I mean, it's 80%. And so she did what any woman would do. She bought the dress. She went home and hid the dress. Can't let him see it, you know at the moment, and sure enough, the month comes by, credit card bill shows up, and he sees a charge. So he confronts his wife on it. Hey, I thought we talked about this. We said no more buying things. I know, and so she went through the whole spiel, I know. But listen, baby, it was 80% off, 80%. That's unheard of. And then I tried it on, and it looked amazing. And the husband goes, why didn't you just say, Satan, get behind me? And she said, I did. And he said, it looks better from the back than the front. <laughs> Y'all are waiting for that one. <clears throat> That's how some of y'all are. Get behind me, Satan. Satan's like, well, let's go. Let's party from the back. Let's go. That's not the sword of the spirit, y'all, okay? Logos is, is a word for the written word of God, okay? But rhema is the spoken word of God. It's one thing to have the Bible written. It's another thing to speak what the Bible says. When Jesus was tempted by, by the enemy, notice when the enemy came to him with temptations, he said, it is written. It is written. It is written. It is written. You only defeat the lies when you speak to them. So here's my question. What are the lies? What are the things that you are believing? What are the things that you are hearing? And what is it that God's word says about that? That you need to begin to pull out that sword and begin to let that thing work. Some of your swords are extremely dull. 
And you start sharpening that sword, which is why, one of the reasons why we started really doing the daily devos this year. We really felt like it was really, really a big deal that we help get you in the word of God and help, help you hear the word of God and know how to apply the word of God. That we're not just doing videos because we don't have anything else to do. Our team is spending all of this effort, all of this emotion, all of this, this, this uh, energy because we want you to be in the word. We wanted to create an opportunity for you to never have an excuse. For you to be able to click a thing and hear God's word and recite God's word and read one chapter. One chapter takes four minutes. Read one chapter. Just allow that. But listen, you don't become like Jesus more like the Bible you know. You become like Jesus more by the Bible you live by the Bible you speak, by the Bible that you live out. Come on, amen? amen. So we gotta, gotta get using this sword, get around some, some sword people. And last but not least, see, n- normally people stop there, but I believe it doesn't stop there because I think this next one is just as much a part of the armor. And, and number seven is don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. Ephesians six eighteen says this, praying, everybody help me, praying at in the this is huge here. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Praying at all times in the spirit. At all times in the spirit. All times in the spirit. That means just throughout the day, I'm praying. I'm, I'm spending time with the Lord. I'm asking him to help me. Not, not, listen, not a prayer a day keeps the devil away. Stop saying that to your kids. It doesn't, it doesn't, not a prayer day, but praying at all times. You can't have victory if you don't pray. Can't. Prayer, by the way, is not something we do in preparation for the battle. Prayer is the battle. I, I'm absolutely incredibly grateful for our, our prayer and intercessor team that we have here at the church. You know, many people look at our church and go, man, it's amazing what God's doing and all the salvations and baptisms and stuff that's moving forward. Listen, that ain't happening because of me. That's happening because we have a team that is going before the Lord and asking for his help, his dependence, his, I mean, no, he uses people, but he does it through prayer. How many of you have seen God do something that you've been trying to do for so long and you stopped trying to do it and you just started praying about it and God took care of it when you couldn't do it on your own? Like we finally just take it off of our, our, and we put it onto the Lord and say, God, you got this. Prayer is the battle. You got a wayward child? Prayer is the battle. You got a husband that's, a, that's just not in alignment with God? Prayer is the battle. You got someone who needs a miracle in their, in their life? Prayer is the battle. Don't stop praying, don't stop praying, don't stop believing, keep pushing, keep going. As long as you have this open line of communication, I love this because we're praying at all times in the spirit, in the spirit, this is just open line between God and us. God's speaking to us, we're speaking to him. It's this open line. It's the power of speaking and praying in tongues. It's the power of praying in, in, in this, what the spirit puts on your heart. It's power of praying over the things that God has for you. This is what God has called us to do keeps us in line with what God is doing. This is why Matthew 21, 13, Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of worship. Preaching, service, outreach. No, he said my house is gonna be, a, it's gonna be a house of prayer. It's gonna be a house, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a house that prays. Not a good singing church, not a great preaching church, a praying church, a praying church. Hey, listen, the enemy doesn't get scared with a good singing church, but he does get scared with a good praying one. He gets, he gets fearful when we start going to the Lord and we start really praying and we start asking, we start relying on him. Prayer is what pushes the kingdom of darkness back. It's what continues to push. I'm gonna end with this. A.W. Tozer says it this way, and this is my prayer for us as we end. A scared world needs a fearless church. A scared world needs a fearless church. The more the world looks like Rome, the more the church needs to look like Acts. And if you read all of Acts, almost every single chapter in Acts, the church was praying. Peter's in prison, the church is praying. Paul and Silas were in prison, they were praying. 
when they went to go appoint the next leader, they were praying. Every time they went to go plant a church, they were praying. When they were selecting elders, they were praying. When they were believing for people to get raised from the dead, they were praying. When they were believing for people to have miracles, they were, they were praying. Everything was attached to them praying. The enemy does not mind that you came here today. The enemy does mind though, if you leave here today and you begin to live out everything that you've learned over these last eight weeks. This is huge here. I'm telling you that we're a praying church, a people of church that, that we push things forward in prayer. <coughs> I'll end with this. Anybody remember, anybody watch Lion King? Any Lion King people in here? Y'all remember the part in the movie when Simba is in front of the hyenas and he's like doing his little, row, uh, little, little growl that he's got? He's like, and like all the hyenas are like, are you, are, you, are you kidding me? Are you kidding? They're laughing and laughing and he's like, and, and they're like, this, this, no, this is not happening. And then all of a sudden he kind of like rears back and he kind of puts his foot back and then he goes, and they all start running off. And then he fails to realize Mufasa. Mufasa was standing behind him. Mufasa, come on, listen. Hey, listen, when you go to the enemy and you're just like, he's like, but I mean, no, when you stand and the father stands behind you and says, you stand in the authority that he has. Come on, the roar of the father is behind us. We have the victory, we don't fight from it, we fight in it because the Father stands with us and roars with us in the moment where you're like, I can't do it anymore. It's like, meow. He's like, I got this. I got this. Just give me what you got, I'll, I'll fill in the rest. And the enemy goes on the run, not because you're awesome, but because God is. And I don't know, listen, I just want you to hear me. There is, there is no, you know, nine rounds with Jesus and the, and the devil. It was one strike, he's out. He, God is not battling the devil. He's already won and the enemy knows it. And he knows what God has put on the inside of you. The question and the tragedy yet again is, do you believe what God says about you just as much as the enemy does? So Father, today in this moment, we, we arm ourselves with these truths. God, may our identity be found in you. Jesus, you are the way, you are the truth. Not what culture says, not what people says, not what our parents have said, not what anybody else has said, not what we do. Our identity is found in you and you alone. God, we thank you, Lord, for the breastplate that you've given us, this truth of the righteousness, living right. Your word says, be holy for I am holy. Well, God, we know we can't do that without you. We can't do that without you. God, right now, I pray, Lord, that, that the truth of your word would be what we hold on to, what we build our life on, what we're grounded in, what we speak forth, truth of your word would be, Lord, what we declare over our kids and over our marriages and over our jobs and over our finances and over our soul, that we would speak to our soul. We would speak to our emotions. We wouldn't be led by them, we would speak to them, that we'd be a church that, that are committed to praying and, and, and depending on you, God. Prayer is the ultimate dependence on you, going, I can't do this without you. So God, as we end this series today, Remind us of everything that we've learned over these last eight weeks. Remind us, God, that, that we do have an enemy that is scheming, but we are grateful that we don't have to be the one in fear. Spirit of the living God lives on the inside of us. Thank you that no weapon formed against us will prosper. We commit ourselves to you. We surrender our lives to you. With no one looking right now, if you're in this room, maybe the enemy has had his way with you and the truth being that if you have not surrendered your heart to the Lord, if you have not said, God, I am an open lid, open to you. My, my life is not closed. My life is open to you. I wanna open my life to you. If you've never had that moment just to open your life, surrendering your life to him, to make him the Lord and savior of your life, if that is you in this place, I wanna pray for you because, because none of this happens until you first surrender to him fully. 
He's gotta be the Lord. He's gotta be the king. You don't get the power unless he is the king of your life, the Lord of your life, the savior of your life. That's you, you've never prayed to ask God to be that. I'm not saying you haven't gone to church or you haven't taken communion or you haven't even been baptized. Those things are just outward things, but I'm talking about a posture of your heart that is fully surrendered to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to shoot your hand up and say, Pastor Josh, that's me. Would you just pray with me? And you're gonna pray right alongside with us. One, two, three. If that's you all across this room, if that's you going, I'm surrendering my life today. We're over there, anybody else? Anybody else? Right over here, two on the left side over here. Anybody else? If you're that online right now, just let us know. I wanna pray with you. We're gonna pray that prayer in just a minute. I'm gonna invite you to pray that with me, but I also wanna pray for a second category of people that are in here. And you have allowed the enemy to have a foothold in your life. You love God, you're going to heaven, but you've allowed the enemy to either bring shame or condemnation or maybe because of something that you've done and, and, and you've kind of been distant from him. You know that you have. Really, if you were honest, the enemy believes more about you than you have lately. And if that's you that's in this room and you go, man, I, I, I wanna know what Christ thinks about me. I, I, I want that to be what, re, what reminds me constantly. I want that to be what, what drives my life. If that's you, would you just shoot your hand up all across this place? Come on, hands going up all across this. Come on. Right there. Let me pray for you and then I'm gonna pray for all those that prayed for salvation. Father, right now, I pray for every single person that just raised their hand, that just recognizes that, man, I've, I've allowed the enemy to have a foothold. I've allowed the enemy's voice to be louder than your voice. And I pray right now, God, that your voice would be the loudest voice in their life. Your voice would be the loudest voice. Your voice would be the loudest voice. God, I pray, Lord, that you would remind them of the truth of the gospel, of what you declare that because of Christ that is in them, there's no power of hell that can ever defeat them. We thank you, Lord, that they are new in you. We thank you, Lord, that, that they have the mind of Christ. Pray God that the peace of God would guard their heart and their minds. Thank you, God, that you are right now just reminding them of who they are in you, that they don't have to run from you, but they get to run to you. Grace and mercy is awaiting them. Now, for those who raised your hand and said, man, I wanna surrender my life to God, I, I want you just to repeat this after me, and we're gonna pray this right alongside with you. I want you to say, dear Lord Jesus, Thank you for coming and living a life that I couldn't live. You took my sins, my shame and my guilt, and you died for it on the cross so that I wouldn't have to. And you rose from the grave to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, in a relationship with God the Father. Today I surrender my life, I repent of my sins, and I turn to you, Jesus, to be my Lord and Savior. From this moment forward, I'll follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. And everyone said.